Hello, and welcome to episode 17 of Friends of the Show. I am Stephen W. Skinner, and this is my show, where I talk with some of my funniest and most interesting friends. They're the friends of the show. This week's friend is your pal Mild Sauce. He's a PhD holding Arby's aficionado, and he regales us with the tale of a bad trip. A canoe trip, that is. Well, all this and more on episode 17 with your pal Mild Sauce and me, right now on Friends of the Show. Right now, Friends of the Show. Now. From an essay, it's from an essay from a rhetorical scholar uh, named James Corder, more commonly known uh, by Jim Corder. Uh, it's from a 1985 essay called "Argument as Emergence, Rhetoric as Love," um, and the quote is as follows: "Rhetoric is love, and it must speak a commodious language, creating a world full of space and time that will hold our diversity." <laughs> Thank you. Shout out to Kyle I. Davidson. <laughs> All right, and welcome to Friends of the Show with our guest at your pal, Mild Sauce. Welcome, Sauce. Uh, thank you. I, I'm so I'm so bewildered to be on a podcast. Yes, you seem quite bewildered. Yes, uh, not many people talk over the podcast theme, but I love it when they do. So thank you for that. <laughs> My pleasure. It, it was jaunty. Like it's jaunty. Guys, yeah. If you guys have like fast forwarded to get to me, sauce. You missed like an incredibly jaunty opening jingle. Yeah, you're gonna want to hit that back fifteen. Yes. There you go. <laughs> so for the listeners, uh, our pal. Mild Sauce is a PhD holding Twitter user who tweets about all kinds of crazy and interesting things, uh, most <laughs> notably Arby's and King Cake Baby, an insane looking sports mascot. So uh, very he's lucky not, to have. He's not insane. He's a giant baby. He has deep ties to Mardi Gras culture. He's the mascot of the NBA Pelicans, which I believe is a basketball team, but I don't know. It's definitely a basketball team. And I said insane looking, not insane. So you would have to agree <laughs> insane, insane looking is a apt description of this. I don't have I a picture. You, I will grant you that some people think he looks insane. Yes, present company included. <laughs> so, yeah, so you tweet about all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, most recently, you've gotten into Phantom Chibli. I'm, am I saying that right? Uh, I think it's... Chibi or chibi or chibi, but I have no idea. So you, I, it's yeah. a word that I've read and understand in context, but I have no idea how to pronounce. Right. So it's part of Asian uh, culture or some sort that of is offshoot my understanding. of anime. It's, yeah, it's like a sorry. It's like a it's like a Japanese word meaning like cute, adorable is like the impression that I get from it. Oh, very good. Yes. Yeah, so you've been tweeting recently a lot of Phantom of the Opera anime <laughs> pictures recently yes. so this is your latest rabbit hole basically you get hyper obsessed with one subject and then you'll tweet about it uh at length uh until everyone else is completely versed in the world of like king cake baby or 
in this case, Phantom Chibi. Yeah, I think that's a fair description um, of, of, of both my interest in, in, in King Cake Baby and in the Chibi Phantom picks. Yeah, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, for sure. And once you get down, like, the internet is crazy, you can start looking at one thing, and then all of a sudden, you're looking at <laughs> Phantom yes. anime. So uh, what what made you get into that recently? I had been deactivated for for a couple of days, I think, this time. Um, and you know, if if you've been following me for a while, you know that I'm prone to random randomly deactivating. And I came back, and I hadn't really been satisfied with the quality of material I'd been posting. And I decided to rebrand for a couple of days um, as like just like some absurd hyper fixated account that did nothing but post Chibi Phantom pics. Got it. Um, and I, I lost about 130 followers doing that, <laughs> and so I kind of switched back to my normal nonsense. Right, but yeah, you tend to um, go down these paths, or you know, deactivate for a little while, and then you'll come oh. back as someone different, a different iteration, if you will, of the classic Your Pal Mild Sauce character <laughs> of Twitter. Um, so yeah, what makes you sort of do that? Did you get bored, or like you're saying, you're not loving your level of content, or it could be any number uh, of other reasons? Yeah, you know, I. I put more thought into in, into branding mild sauce than I probably should. I completely admit that. And and sometimes, you know, I, I just I feel like my stuff gets routine. Like I, I start doing a certain kind of gag or a certain kind of joke very often and it helps to kind of like break away from that sometimes. Oh for sure. Yeah, I get it now. So you sort of fall into a little bit of a rut, a routine. Right. Falling back on the same old formats, uh, if it will, you know, if you will. See, uh, so I understand. So you want to, every time you want to break that cycle, you bust out, deactivate a little bit, come back as something different with a little bit of a different flair, hopefully, and it sparks your creativity? In part, like, like the rebrand, like, I think that's a really good description of the rebrand. A lot of times the deactivation stuff has more has to do with, like, depression stuff. Which is, you know, it's a little weird to like talk about sometimes. I have no problem tweeting about it, but talking about it uh, is odd. But sometimes it's just that, like, I need to take a, a few days away, and like, Twitter's not like not the right environment for me to um, to to deal with that stuff sometimes. Oh, definitely for sure. And we have talked about this on previous episodes. We talked about it with Mark McGark uh, at Markedly, mm-hmm. and also with uh, Home Halfway, uh, our pal Michael, mm-hmm. um, about this and sort of yeah how stepping away from Twitter is definitely a valid way of dealing with some of the anxiety and depression that uh, a lot of people deal with. Uh, you know, it's it Twitter is great. It can be a great community and support, but also it can be a bit much sometimes. So uh, I recommend just doing what's best for you and if that is deactivating every once in a while then for sure i would recommend it yeah i um i I find that's useful and um you know in in addition to the couple of other you know users that you've mentioned i mean i think that i think that there's a number of people that have needed to do that like you know i'm I'm not going to name names but um i think as, as, as important as twitter is to many of us like, I, I think we also realize that sometimes it can be a distraction from other issues. Yes, definitely. You see a lot of people taking breaks when um, IRL stuff <laughs> sort of takes precedence. <laughs> right. And that's yeah. totally, you know, like we're all here living these lives. And then we also have this <laughs> online life that that is uh, sort of forward facing and that sometimes needs to take a back seat. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if you're having that baby, maybe put the phone down <laughs> for a right. minute. Yeah. 
right. before you I'm start. I'm tweeting my divorce proceedings. I'm getting screwed. No, don't stop doing that. I love those ones. <laughs> Have you seen <laughs> people are taking divorce selfies now? And so it's either like, oh, that's cute. They're like still friends or Oh no, they are not friends. Oh, oh yeah, it's for sure. So some of them, it's like they're having a beer together after, like just sign the papers or whatever. And then some <laughs> of them, it's like the one person is smiling in the foreground, and in the background, <laughs> the person is like glaring, like you are not taking a picture of me right now. Uh, so I definitely recommend that uh, to everyone. Yeah, you have to check that out for all you recent divorcees. <laughs> Definitely congrats, check or, it. Or, or, you know, my consolations. Yeah, congrats or not. That's appropriate. Okay. So I guess now that we've gotten a little bit of backstory, we can get right into your story. Uh, okay. Which you have entitled Youth Group Camping Trip from Hell. That's true. And that is a, and then that is a great, uh, like a great horror announcer voice, by the way. Oh, thank you. So, all right. I'm not going to tell the whole story because the whole story is very long. Um, it's this nightmarish, like three or four day camping trip that I went on with my church youth group when I was about 13 or 14. I say it's either three days or four days because I lost track at one point. Oh, um, this is going to get That's how good. bad it was. <laughs> so the segment of the story that I'm going to tell is about the one and only time that I've been canoeing. And it was such a nightmarish almost deliverance-esque experience that it has, you know, put me off canoeing for, like, the subsequent, you know, 23 years. Yeah, exactly, right? That part, that banjo scene? (laughs) I hope there's a banjo guy in your story, but continue. Well, there's not a banjo guy, but someone does squeal. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That's a a little hat tip to all you deliverance fans listening. So... As kind of the centerpiece of this trip, we were supposed to go canoeing on the Platte River, which is like in northwest Michigan. Um, that's my homestay. What up? Yeah, man? shout out. We didn't get into your geographic location, but I guess we can say Michigan. Right. Yeah, there we go. Um, I'm in Alabama now, but this was back before I moved. So anyway, we're supposed to go canoeing. And so I'm on this this trip with my you know church youth group. I've never canoed before. I end up in a canoe with my best friend at the time, this guy named Jeff. And it was clear that, like, once we got in the canoe that neither Jeff nor I had any idea what we were doing. So we were floundering, kind of, like, rowing ourselves in a circle for a good, like, 20 minutes until we figured out at least how to go in a straight line. Yeah, yep. yeah you didn't get a, uh, a little briefing, a little uh, run-through no. of canoeing uh-huh. and technique and safety before? No, I, I, I think we had life rafts on, and that was about it. Like, they made sure we had a life raft, you know, like they covered, like, their basic Your minimum PFDs, insurance yeah. obligations. You're wearing PFDs, and you signed, <laughs> yes. signed a waiver for sure. <laughs> yeah, basically. So, so you and Jeff, Jeff and I are, like... We, we we managed to, you know, row ourselves down like the first kind of like major straightaway of the river, which then opens up into like what was either a very large pond or a small lake. And somehow at this point, maybe intimidated by the, you know, the, the vast array of nature before us, whatever coordination we had found up till then, we immediately lost. And we start kind of drifting out into the middle of this lake. Everyone else is canoeing, you know, within like a few feet of the shore, which is now about, you know, like, you know, several hundred yards away from us. At, at one point, one of us lost our oar 
I don't remember now who it was exactly, but I think it was oh, probably Oh, yeah, very me. convenient. Don't yeah. remember who lost the ore. Okay. Right. So we see the ore drifting out into the lake, and we're trying to paddle with our one remaining ore, you know, to get over to the ore that was drifting away. And as we're doing this, this family of experienced canoers pulls off from the shore and starts making a beeline for us. Now, you might, these are not people connected to us. They're not like on the trip with us. They're complete strangers. Okay. I think that's important to note for what, for some of the events that come next. You might think there are experienced canoers approaching us as if to say, hello, strangers, we're going to help you out of your predicament here. That's what I'm hoping. Right. Because Jeff and I, by now, right, yeah, like by now we're tangled in the reeds on the other side of this small lake, large pond. But this is why I have little faith in human goodness. This family of experienced canoers, you could tell, right, like the rest of us were all in the metal canoes that we'd obviously rented from like the canoeing facility, yeah. right? They were not, they were like a spiffy brand new canoe that was obviously their own. Oh yeah, and fiberglass like, hull and all that. Yeah, right. So they were clearly like experienced, rabid canoers, but they were not coming to help us. What they were coming to do was to splash water on us and make our predicament all the more stressful and anxiety-inducing. What? So, right? Yeah, exactly. So, like, Jeff and I are, like, tangled in, you know, are, like, tangled in the reeds. We're trying to right our canoe, right? We're trying to push it away from the reeds so that we can go and get the oar, which is drifting out further into the lake. Don't forget about the oar, right? And this family comes over and starts splashing us. Like with their oars, like we're getting splashed with this all this river water, and not playfully, and playfully for them, right? <laughs> and like you know, and and Jeff and I are you know getting upset and angry, and I admit what I'm about to describe to you next does not it, it's not a flattering portrait of your pal. But I picked up the oar and I raised it above my head and like let loose some like Viking warrior yell. And like smashed it down on the edge of their canoe, something that none of this family was expecting. And they all sat there aghast at this, you know, at what I had just done. And they were like, not cool, man. Like, why did you do that? You know, <laughs> yeah. I'm arguing, you know, arguing against them. You came over here and behave, you know, you're acting like splashing us. So anyway, eventually. They, you know, just they got back on like the main path after, you know, yelling at us and scowling at us as they paddle away. We eventually somehow after capsizing the canoe at one point, got it back up, got back in the canoe and managed to find our missing oar. And eventually we, you know, like we figured it out. We made it safely through the rest of the canoeing route with no further incidents. So they caught up to your group. That he had been yeah, separated we caught, from. We actually, we not only caught up to our group, we ended up leading our group and finishing the route before anyone else. Oh, you had that extra energy from your encounter. Well, we wanted to avoid that family more than anything. Oh, that's uh, true. <laughs> yeah, we, 
we didn't want that. We didn't want that family to like have the opportunity to like narc to our youth group leaders. Yeah, like you uh, stood there brandishing a paddle like a uh, like a sand person from Star Wars, right? Yes, exactly. Right, I'm making that whole like howling exactly. Tuscan Raiders. Thing. Tuscan Raiders. That's what I'm looking for. So uh, yeah, so you managed to escape. But that wasn't the end of it, or was it? Say again. That that wasn't the end of the trip from hell. Did, like you still had a no, couple days. No, no, that was that was that was in the middle of the trip from hell. There was still there was still campfire spaghetti, and then like and then the paper bag incident. But like I said, this is this is a very long story. Well, so. let's maybe let's just touch on the spaghetti. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so. All right, so this is this is maybe a day or two after the canoeing trip. We had stopped at some like state park or something to to, to have dinner before moving forward from there into like some campground or a cabin maybe where we were supposed to spend the night. And due to a bit of poor planning on someone's part, I don't remember who, all that we had available to cook was spaghetti and corn on the cob. And mm, so someone someone decided they were going to try to make the spaghetti on like the little old like rusted out sheet metal grill, you know, that you see at like state parks and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like they had like the kettle on or, or like the kettle, the, um, the pot. They were you know? boiling water. Yeah, they were. Well, it took forever to boil the water for one thing. <laughs> and then. Like finally the water started boiling and like we put the, you know, like they put the pasta in. It took forever for the pasta to cook. And at one point I remember someone like picking up like a strand of pasta that, you know, had been cooked a little bit, throwing it at a tree and it just like stuck to the tree. It didn't move. It didn't like roll down the tree. It just, for all I know, it's still stuck to that tree. Yeah, that's actually an old trick and that's how you know it's done. Right, exactly. It sticks to the tree. This is, you know, this is what all the great Italian chefs tell you. So, yeah. So, and then, like, what we ended up having, like, we we had several, you know, like, like, uh, like pieces of corn on the cob. So we ended up boiling the corn on the cob instead of the spaghetti. And we all had, we all had like half a piece of, like, we had like half a cob of corn for dinner each. Yikes. <laughs> right. It was that kind of camping trip. Yeah, that does not sound great. And maybe no. just give us the Super Coles notes of the paper bag incident. <laughs> all right. You know, all right. So so I have to admit, like, what makes this funny, it actually kind of occurs at someone else's expense. So it's but, a little bit mean-spirited. I have to confess that. But I think it's I think it's funnier than it is mean-spirited, and I'm not going to, like, name names. Perfect. So it's okay to tell. <laughs> yeah. This was this was toward the end of the trip. We were starting our drive home, and it's like a five or six hour drive. And we'd stop at this gas station to, like, you know, for like a, you know, like bathroom break or refuel, whatever it was. Pit stop. And I was sitting in the back of we we had rented this one big like van, you know, like a transport van. Sure. And um, I was sitting in the back of that with my friend Jeff. Like we were both like exhausted after you know our canoeing adventure. And just kind of like pissed off at like everyone but ourselves. And there was this there was this one girl in particular who, while a very sweethearted young woman, was kind of plain. And Jeff and I had taken it upon ourselves to like be kind of mean to her about that. No, no. Yeah. So like I said, right, like, you know, 
like it, it, it doesn't the story doesn't always reflect well on me but i say that only because like you have to understand like like why we were like so irritated with this girl like in the first place yeah and also right? you're She's a like, young child and say again you're like a 13 year old kid right you don't know any better right. yeah exactly so anyway like we're we're at this gas station like forever and ever like everyone's going in and out using the bathroom and going into the little convenience store like Jeff and I just want to get on the road and start getting home and this young this this one young woman is like in the van in the back of the van searching for something on the floor and like and we're like what are you looking for can we help you look because apparently no one in this youth group has any luggage everyone has packed everything they own in paper bags <laughs> so the entire bottom floor of the van is just covered with paper bags and you know and all she'll tell us is that she's looking for a paper bag and we're like you know well what's in the bag can we help you find it there's like a million paper bags here and so like we're begging and begging because like we're just getting annoyed with her constantly coming in and out of the van, right? Like looking for this paper bag when we could help her find it. And so like we keep nagging her like, you know, all right, what are you looking for? Tell us. Like, what's what in the bag? For? What's in the bag? Right. Yeah. What's in the bag? <laughs> and so finally she's clearly fed up and annoyed and she kind of like stops and like in the most kind of like angry yet piteous voice that, that you can imagine like a 15-year-old girl making, she says, I'm looking for my pads. I think we all kind of guessed that's where it was headed. I, I, I assume so. But, you know, like when you're like a 13 or 14-year-old, you know, boy, like you don't want to hear about that. You certainly don't want to hear it shouted in the middle of a gas station parking lot. Well, your fault for asking, I guess. <laughs> you know, I, I've i accepted that. As the years have gone by, I, I, I've, I've come to accept that you know, I, I should have just admitted that, you know, discretion would have mm. been the better part of valor there. And I would not, but I wouldn't have had that story to tell. You wouldn't have had that story. And also without that story, you wouldn't have learned that lesson. So I'm sure there's been times since then where you're like, oh, let's just keep this on the DL. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a good example story. No need yeah. to, no need to use an, to come up with an example. I know you learned that lesson. Yeah, all right. Well, you know what? There we go. I don't have another example because I learned that lesson. That is exactly correct, Sauce. And thank you for sharing that harrowing tale. <laughs> and if my, anyone my if anyone wants to hear the full version, they should give you a call. Uh, well, yeah, there's there's really only like another one or two episodes that precede that 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 precede the canoe story. You've you've actually heard most of it by oh, now. Oh, great. So that that'll uh They'll be coming to theaters in 2020. Yeah, yeah, July 2020. Keep Look for that in theaters. Camping trip from hell. Right. All right. Thank you. Uh, so now we get into the tweets. So right. um, you have sent in three tweets of your own devising. And yeah. the first tweet is this one. Depression says, get the 20 piece. Good sense says, a 10 piece is more than sufficient. Depression says... 20 only $5 now. Good sense says that really is a bargain. <laughs> so this is depression talking to good sense and yeah. uh, I guess sort of like we touched on it earlier, um something that maybe we deal uh, that we deal with. Um uh, so is it something from your real life where you uh go into uh, a store and you got to <laughs> battle these two voices? I mean, it's not like a specific story. Um there's no specific story behind that one. Um 
but you know, again, if 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 you follow if you follow me on Twitter, you know that you know one of the many things I tweet about is like food issues, and you know, and a lot of that is driven by for me is like driven by depression and like that battle. Whenever you like, I see the ad like, oh, twenty pieces only five dollars. It's like, oh, that is a good deal. And then I think, you know, you don't need to eat twenty McNuggets. No one, <laughs> no one single person needs to eat twenty McNuggets. But then you know, it's like I start thinking, yeah, but that is a good deal like like if i just ordered the the 10 piece i'd be paying like 330 or whatever it is <laughs> and yeah for like another dollar 70 i could have twice as many nuggets yeah um, that's how they get you <laughs> right yeah exactly right you know i mean i don't like to be suspicious of brands and yet you know like i think mcdonald's knows exactly what they're doing oh they for sure do and it is to a crazy degree like they have that perfect balance of uh sweetness and fats and everything in all uh-huh. their food and it's incredibly addictive right but uh hey i'm loving it <laughs> yeah so i yeah. get it and and then in the end is this sort of how it plays out that good sense ends up siding with depression and then you get that 20 piece you get that sweet 20 piece more often than i'd like to admit um yeah more often than i'd like to admit except that neither of the mcdonald's is uh in my area have really great service so more often than not um it ends up being like tacos instead of mcnuggets ah they've lost your business due to their poor they're so slow Mm, unfortunately so oh no shout out to the mcdonald's in uh alabama yeah in hauntsville alabama Get your act together. Tisk tisk. <laughs> okay, so thank you for that first tweet. The second tweet that we have here is this. You know what a ghost is? It's someone who dies so lonely, it's the only thing their soul remembers. Ooh. Another cheery, mild sauce masterpiece. Well, we should mention that you're sometimes a ghost online. Yes, that's true. Mm-hmm. One of your iterations or personas is a ghost uh, of Mild Sauce. I, do you just call it ghost? <laughs> You're just a ghost? I mean, usually ghost sauce, like, like, <laughs> yeah. like Mild Sauce for me is like the classic Muppet Mild Sauce. And then Ghost Sauce obviously is the ghost. And then, yeah, those are like the two main like specific personas, I guess. Yeah, alive and dead. So when you're right, alive, yeah, basically. you're... Uh, I covered the gamut of, you know, of... Uh, of, uh, you know, ontological states of being. <laughs> yeah. So on the spectrum, we had the YPMS original, uh, your pal Mild Sauce, and then we got the ghost version. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess you get uh, a lot of tweets about ghosts too while you're the ghost version. So this, this <clears throat> Yeah, that's been... true. Um, I have I have a whole moment actually full of like ghost-related tweets. I like to use the ghost character uh, as a, a metaphor, like for depression, um, as well as um, sometimes kind of cheekily for questions about like civil rights and minority rights. The the ghost is sometimes very political about the ways that um, breathers, the living, right. have oppressed the the post corporeal. Uh, demographic in the United States. That's interesting. It's like removing yourself, uh, sort of like the man on Mars. If a man on Mars was looking at uh, this situation, like completely removed from Mm -hmm. the affairs of the living, but is able to comment on it from his uh, sort of third point of view. Yeah. um, Third person outside of the the sphere. That's really interesting. Um, Yeah, I kind of uh, noticed that when you would do like a deactivation, you would sort of go to ghost and then deactivate and then come back alive again. So yeah, it's 
it's good. I think it's still, I think it's healthy to, uh, to walk away every once in a while. And if the ghost helps you do that, then I'm hundred percent behind it. Thank you. I won't haunt you. Yes. I'm not a, I'm not a fan of hauntings, especially (laughs) in Connecticut. Oh yes. Yeah. I gotcha. Um, I've seen that movie. I think. Yeah. You, uh, you're a fan of the genre. Uh, you know what? I am. Um, like in general, like I'm, I'm kind of picky about horror movies. Like I'm not one of those horror fans that can just watch something and like it, like because it's in the horror genre. Right. But yeah, I'm, I, I do, I do quite like horror. It's, it's so what are your, what are your top recommends for, uh, for horror fans out there? Uh, now, okay. See, Oh, you're going to get all weird about this. You're going to get super. No. Okay. I'm going to get, I'm going to get complicated, I guess. I mean, like, I think I'd have to periodize it more. Like, are you asking me about like recent horror? Are you asking me about like particular like styles? I'm talking Desert Island. You get three horror movies and three horror movies on VHS and a VHS player and a tube TV. You get three. (laughs) okay interesting all right so the vhs thing like is interesting is an interesting way to periodize it um all right so if we're going to do that we're going to do um tobe hooper's the texas chainsaw massacre classic yeah we're going to do uh robert wise's the haunting and also man that third spot is going to be tricky because because, once you take a third you're cutting off like all the other available options all right no you know what um we're going to have to include one of the classic universal monster movies. Um, and I'm going to go the invisible man. Ah, the invisible man. So the black and white 1950s era, uh, 1930s. Oh, this 1930s. I'm talking universal horror. golden age. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They are rebooting that sort of nowadays, right? They're crazy yeah, well, monster movies. They, they started with they, the mummy with my pal, Tom Cruise. They would certainly like to, um, <laughs> but the, the not unmitigated success of, of of the mummy leads me to think that you know unless anything has started shooting that 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 you know possibility is is on thin ice but you know i, I i'm not a you know like paid hollywood prognosticator nope. but it doesn't seem like there's a lot of fan interest in such a series yeah i'm not sure about that but if anyone is listening in the far future do let us know send us a tweet if that still exists and let us know how that turned out yeah i'm i'm, I'm completely i'm completely you know open to you know being corrected by my future self so yeah that would be great so if future your pal mild sauce is listening <laughs> do send a note to current your pal mild sauce yeah about yeah this. if you haven't deactivated what are you thinking (laughs) okay thank you so that was a lovely tangent and now we get to the third and final your pal mild sauce tweet and it is my favorite your pal mild sauce tweet so you did it ding 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 you hit the nail on the head pick the secret tweet and it is in an alternate universe where wheel of fortune never aired welcome to say jack hardware i'd like to buy a dowel a strange stirring in Pat's soul. <laughs> the only way that reading could have been improved is if you had like a little doorbell go off. Before, oh, yeah. Like, Where the guy comes like, in. Like when the guy walks in. <laughs> That's better. 
I would love to expand my uh, reading of tweets into include sound effects uh, in the future. So maybe oh, okay. I will take that into consideration because some of these ones, it's pretty hard to, uh, you know, read into an audio format because they're meant, oh, right. they're meant to be read. Right. So um, that was one of the ones. But that is one of my favorite uh, tweets of all time. And thank oh, you for writing you. it. The, Do uh, <laughs> no, just that that uh, oh, recognition right. from well, me. That's still on nice this to podcast. know. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> The strange stirring in Pat's soul, just the way that's worded, uh, it's just perfect. <laughs> I like to buy you a know, dowel. Yeah, I mean, like I said in like the the email that I send you, you know, like with these various links. Um, this is not this is not necessarily my favorite of of, of my own tweets, but um, but you know, people tell me often that they like this one, and it just kind of all came together right. It was just a, a, a kind of like a perfectly formed tweet that's like popped into my mind one day oh so um, it just came in a lot more success than i thought it would so you so it wasn't like you were in a hardware store looking at dabbles it just sort of this whole premise and execution just came in all at once that's great yeah 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 pretty much that's how that's how it often is with some of the best ones right it's just like a stroke of genius just inspiration strikes yeah. Yeah, and then there's ones that like you labor on, and you think that like you think they're gonna you know be hits, and then it's just like yeah. Yeah, never think that, and definitely don't labor too hard because you'll right. always be disappointed because Twitter is fickle. You know it is. That's it. It is a fickle pickle. The fickle mistress of Twitter. Yeah. So thank you very much for submitting those three tweets. Again, great stuff. Everyone, please follow at your pal Mild Sauce on oh. Twitter. That is spelled Y E R. P-A-L. Yes. M-I-L. That's true. It, D-S-A-U-C-E. It yes, it's your pal with an E. Your. So I guess that's your <laughs> Michigan upbringing. You know, I don't know what it is. Maybe. It's not really like supposed to capture a particular dialect or anything. I I very briefly, when I was still on Facebook, you know, like kind of experimenting with what you could do on Facebook. This is years ago. Right. You know, but like I started writing these little like, you know, kind of like letters to the editor, like complaint letters to various, <laughs> you know, companies or businesses. And I started signing them your pal, Mild Sauce. And then that's that's kind of where your pal, Mild Sauce came from. There you go. Birth of the handle. Complaining to companies. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, hey, know. they're people too, right? They They deserve to be complained to. Well, that's that was, you know, that was, you know, certainly the, you know, position of Mitt Romney, right? That corporations are people too. That's it. They have families like all of us. They live and die. Oh, wait. Why do they do? Yeah, in some ways. Now we get into the next segment your Mm. picks from Twitter. So I'll have you read the first one, and it is from Australian Twitter user Sam at AKA underscore fat man. So have you got the tweet? I sure do. All right. Hit us. See, I didn't know it was going to happen. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Now, how do you like it? Trying to read one of these. (laughs) No. All right. That's fine. So it starts off with, uh, you know, asterisks, right? Uh, Writing my resume. Strengths. I'm great at multitasking. (laughs) Explosion in the kitchen. My popcorn. Car crashes through friends. I forgot I was driving. (laughs) Very well done. Very well done. I haven't asked uh, guests to read uh, the tweets, but I'm starting to do that. And it is (laughs) a lot of fun to hear other people read these funny tweets uh, and how they interpret them. So, yeah, a lot of stuff going on. He's writing the resume. Strengths. I'm great at multitasking. There's an explosion in the kitchen. Popcorn, right? Multitasking. Car crashes through friends. 
forgot I was driving. Driving. Multitasking. What I love about this tweet is that, you know, and like tweets, you know, as as a genre don't necessarily need to be filmed. But I can see so clearly like how I would film this little this like this little tiny sequence of event. Hit us and, with the hit us I, with the screenplay. That's part of why I love it, right? Like uh, it's it's got like this very you know, like specific set of like images, and I, I can kind of see exactly exactly how this would like work out. And then there's something about the way Sam's tweet like conjures those images for me. It's perfect, um, yeah. That has made it a, a perennial favorite of mine. It's great because it reveals only as much as it needs to each line. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly, right? And that's kind of exactly how it would shoot it. It would start like a series of like tight close-ups. Like we'd have like a close-up on like the laptop screen or something, you know, like a resume getting written, Right. And then like there's like a shot of like, you know, like Sam's like fingers on the keyboard and then it cuts back to, you know, like Sam, like in like a tight close up strengths. I'm great at multitasking. And then off screen, you hear the explosion. It was like a swish pan as he turns my popcorn (laughs) and then like the windshield like shattered and looks back. I forgot I was driving as the camera like pulls back to like, you know, like it shows chaos. I picture it like the car kind of like going over the fence into a ditch as like the camera kind of like, you know, like whips backward from like the laptop, which is like, you know, on the dashboard or something. Um, It's just like that very, yeah, like very precise series of images. Yeah. It's it's a, it's a beautiful tweet. It's beautiful. So thank you uh, for picking that one. Thanks Sam for writing it. Uh, AKA fat underscore fat man. Everyone give him a follow for more tweets just like these. And I guess you can read it in Australian accent if you like. Oh, you know what? I hadn't thought about that, but I, I but but I could do it again. No, no, that's you, you did it great, to... and it was uh, it was uh, well well re- well read, and also the stage direction that you gave, like your version. That's what you see in your head, right? The, your director's cut of that tweet. Oh yeah, so that Yo, was good. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That was a bonus. Like, like, yeah. If I had the right resources, I could like go out and film this within like a day. <laughs> it's it's that clear to me. Yeah, I guess you got this director scarf, and you're just like pointing. Moving oh, cameras I've got and the stuff. whole Cecil B. DeMille kit. Like yeah. I've got the job furs and like the riding boots, like the riding crop, right? Yeah, I've got that whole outfit. Yes, I can already. picture it now. So if any uh, production companies want to get in touch, at your pal Miles House on Twitter, uh, and we'll get this made. So the next tweet that you have selected is from hilarious Twitter user Tara Shoe at yep. Tara Shoe. Or Tara, I'm not sure. And uh, I'll read this one. I always say Tara for the record in my head when I see her at come up. Okay, so this is from Tara, and I'll read this one to take the burden off of you for a moment. Uh, And it's also Uh. very funny. I'm great. I'm good. I'm doing good. (laughs) I mean, well, haha, haha, I'm doing well. Not good. (laughs) I'm not doing good. I'm not doing so good. Okay, that's a... See, that's a really good reading, but you read well, like that first well, differently than I would have, and it makes it a slightly different tweet to my mind, not worse. All right. Just uh, different. All right. Well, let's – I mean I'm going to allow it. You can read it your way. All right. All right. So, I mean I completely admit it's like a subtle difference, but I think the emphasis changes the tweet a little bit. I'm great. I'm good. I'm doing good. <laughs> I mean well. I'm <laughs> doing well. Not good. <laughs> I'm not doing good. I'm not doing so good. 
Well, all right. Well, I think we're going to have to use that uh, version instead of mine. I'm just going to cut mine out 100%. So no, I don't think you should cut it. Like, I'm interested in the difference. Like, like I read the I mean well as like, as like she's correcting herself, right? Yes. Like, I'm not doing good. I'm doing well. And then like, I right, she like collapses well. from there. But it's, this is a lot to unpack. It's very so well written and the oh it absolutely is the emotions that it conveys right because it takes you on a roller coaster journey <laughs> through this yes. tweet from beginning to end where it starts off as i'm great and the last line is i'm not doing so good and the right. transition is what you pay the money for to follow yeah. at terashu just so good yeah absolutely um and yeah it's um and it's so like it's hard to talk about like the importance i guess of like punctuation to this tweet but I think punctuation um, is really important here. The the ways that like the different uses of like periods and exclamation points and commas indicate, at least for me, like the rhythm of the tweet. Yes. I think rhythm is often very important. And I think you um, nailed it. I kind of missed a couple of the key punctuation marks. Uh, oh, did, no, maybe no, didn't like, pause I'm not enough. Any other reading is wrong. No, no, but I'm just saying it's uh, the punctuation is definitely what makes it so well written, right? Because of yeah. the different interpretations, like there's a period, then the the exclamation mark at some of at the, at some of those right. sentences. <laughs> I'm not doing good. Yeah, very great, uh, great pick. They're oh, saucy, you. and now we get to the final tweet <clears throat> that you have selected from mm-hmm. literally hundreds of tweets. The <laughs> from at bot Andy Village Yay. Fetish, um, good Twitter user. So uh, I guess you should just read it because you're better. <laughs> All right. Um, those are your words, not mine. All right. We love the sea because it's where we come from. We fear it because we left so long ago, I say suddenly, startling myself and the waitress. <laughs> That's the twist at the end. The waitress. Oh, okay. See, like the startling myself is what always gets me. But yeah, but I, I, it, it's just such a beautifully done tweet. It's funny. And kind of like creepy, mysterious, the way a lot of, uh, you know, Andy's tweets are. Um, I actually don't know for sure if your name is Andy. Sorry, I assume it is. Yeah, it's great. Um, And it's sort of like almost poignant, like the the first sentence. Like, we love the sea because it's where we come from. We fear it. Because we left so long ago, like you think you could ominous kind of yeah, or that could be plucked from like a major literature (laughs) work of literature. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so great work, Uh, Village Fetish. Everyone follow at Bot Andy for crazy, interesting, and absurd takes just like that. Mm -hmm. So that brings us to the end of the tweets from other people. Thank you for picking those. Now we get in to the questions from Twitter. So the first question comes from our pal Druck. Everyone send some good thoughts his way and follow him at Druck, D-R-U-U-U-C-K. And his question for you is, who would win in a fight? King Cake Baby or a giant papier mache head of your own head? Papier mache. Yeah. Papier um, mache. Papier mache is my preferred pronunciation. Um, I... I'd have to say I think it would be – it would have to be King Cake Baby and not because I love King Cake Baby so much specifically 
but because like just looking at like king cake baby's like face and torso you can tell that it's probably made of like some pretty strong like fiberglass material and i think just like a papier mache like head would not hold up against like repeated blows from that it, it, as, as much as it pains me to say it because uh, i love the guy who wears the giant papier mache mask of his own head <laughs> right that is a good um, move shout out arcade fire from that one video so you think the king cake baby head would just destroy a papier mache head i think so i think I, I think when it comes down to it this is a question for material science yeah we got to uh, get the Mythbusters in here uh and but, then yeah, we'll exactly. follow up on a future episode so listen for that one day maybe so thank you very much to duck for that question and we're moving on to the next question from nick at one trick tofani so he's got multiple questions so thank you for that nick the first question first question put to you is what's your favorite thing at arby's all right my favorite thing at arby's um is the bell that you ring as you exit the restaurant that says ring if you had good service does do they do that some of them do really so you ring it every time i usually well or you ring it appropriately well every time i eat inside Yes. Obviously, they don't have that at the drive-thru. And most of the time when I'm eating Arby's, it's from the drive-thru. Uh, uh, but, but if I go inside, I will ring the bell. Right. If you're entering the brick-and-mortar restaurant, yes. you give it a good ding-a-ling-a-ling. At least, at least once. I mean, you know. Staff's like, got to love that. They have like a regular Arby's down here, at least, at least not one where I feel like a regular. Right. Um, <laughs> but, you know, if I did, it would be nice to ring the bell as a sign of greeting and as a sign of appreciation. Yeah, for sure. come in and when you leave. Yeah, I'm just thinking that the staff would really appreciate that. You know, every time you hear the bell, you're like, hey, we're doing it. We're doing a good job over here. Yeah, yeah. We're carving the roast beef. We have the meats. <laughs> they do. They you know, I actually, as, as as you may know, I had Arby's for lunch today, and I was looking at the <laughs> menu board, and I was like, damn, they really do have the meats. As you may know, you had Arby's, yes? For yes. sure. Thank you, Nick. The second question submitted by Nick at One Trick Tofani is, favorite book? In brackets, that isn't the Bible. Ah, oh, well, I don't believe in books that aren't the Bible. Um, <laughs> I guess if I had to pick, like, the book that I had read like most often, I guess, maybe as being like indicative of my favorite, I would probably have to say House of Leaves by Mark Danielewski. Okay. Um, either that one or maybe um, the Alan Moore graphic novel From Hell or David Foster Wallace's book Consider the Lobster. Oh, um, not the normal. Probably uh... not very like bro-ish in, in some ways. Sorry. I, I don't really think I'm a bro, but those would be those those are the three books I probably read more than any others. Those are the books. We had this question posed to Rachel Mandic on the show and she answered oh. David Foster Wallace, but infinite jest. You know, I I, I suspect I'm in, in a strange minority maybe. I don't really care for David Foster Wallace's fiction. I absolutely adore his his nonfiction. I, I have a David Foster Wallace tattoo, but I um just like I've I've tried Infinite Jest. I've tried what is it the the brief interviews with hideous men, and I just I just don't get into his fiction the way I do his nonfiction. Yeah, and she said that people often say that that they can't get into it, can't get through. 
because it is so weird and dense. Well, you know, but see, like, I, I think that's completely fair, but that's also true of his nonfiction, you know, mm. um, like his, his nonfiction is, is, is no less like dense and strange. Um, and in some ways to me, like more interestingly so, because, you know, he treats the essay as a literary form and in ways that I don't want to say are rare necessarily, but that rarely become popular for their literary techniques. Okay. Yeah, he's more about his uh, his techniques, right? I, I think that's fair, yes. Well, there we go. And now we come to the final question submitted by Nick at One Trick Tofani. Thank you again. If you could eat Arby's with anyone real or fictional, who? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. That is a um, wide selection of people to draw from. Well, yeah, um, anyone real or fictional. Like, does real people here include, like, dead people who were, like, yeah. factual? I'm going to say everybody, past or present, anybody, oh, real or fictional, phantom chibi. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, I, I think, um, I think, I think an interesting choice would be Sojourner Truth. Yes, that would be interesting. And why would you pick that? Um, because I wanted to sound interesting on the podcast. <laughs> oh, so it's just about... It's a really fun name to say. Well, you know, it is. And I, 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 if I remember from, you know, like, you know, sixth grade history correctly, that's not, that's not like her birth name. Although, you know, having been a former slave, we can get into the semiotics of whether even her birth name was her real name in some way. Sojourner Truth may actually be her real name because that's the name she chose for herself, right? Oh, but anyway, wow. yeah. Sojourner um, Truth, there you go. <laughs> Yeah, like, you know, like, I, I think it's an interesting name. And, you know, I, I think I think it would I think she'd be kind of a fascinating person to talk to from, you know, a, uh, an era of, of history that I think is other than our own, like one of the most, you know, kind of like complex historical moments in American history. Um, and I certainly think it's it, it, it's hard to argue against, you know, the 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 moral stature of someone who put her life on the line to liberate other people held in captivity. Uh, and what do you think she'd get at Arby's? It was my follow up question. <sighs> um, OK, granted that Granted that she'd probably be fairly bewildered to find herself, you know, alive in, you know, the early 21st century. I think she would pick something relatively simple. I think she'd just go classic roast beef or maybe chicken tenders. Yeah. And is that what you'd recommend to her? Because she'd be like bewildered, be like, what has what has brought me here? Right. And you're yeah. just like, oh, it just, um, we're just, just like, it's just a thing. Like, we're just going to have lunch and then you'll return to wherever you were before. Uh, and she'll be like, yeah. oh, okay, just, yeah, classic original. I think so. I, I, I think I think, I think, just a straight-up roast beef. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, great answers. And now we come into the next question from at Sun Tzu Fun Tzu. And his question is, oh, uh, Phantom Chibi question. What mm -hmm. do the Chibi Phantom picks do with the bits of my soul they steal whenever I click on one? Okay, good question. Uh, first of all, all they really, I mean, like all they do is get stored in Coptic jars in a secret mausoleum that I will one day use for my own dark arcane purposes. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for your question at Sun Tzu Fun Tzu. And the final question comes from last week's guest, Eli. 
I at Proxicon, and the second O is a zero. Do check him out on Twitter and check out his YouTube page. Same handle uh, for all your video game playing needs. <laughs> so uh, his question is, what exactly makes you my pal? I think it's fair to say that, you know, I'm everyone's pal. Like, I don't I don't, I don't have, like, major beefs with people. I, I go out of my – I'm even out of my way, but – you know, I'm, I'm very careful not to get, like, you know, too caught up in, like, Twitter gossip or, or, or you know, Twitter, you know, politics or whatever. And, you know, I just I, I try to be genial and, and, and supportive. You know, weird Twitter is about the community, as it was popular to say for a week and a half, two years ago, <laughs> you know, and. And I think that's just it. Like, like I'm not here to, I'm not on Twitter to, you know, create drama or participate in, in, in drama. I'm just here to, you know, post idiotic jokes um, and, and be people's pal. And you know what? I love that about you and thank you for that. And that's exactly why I wanted to have you on because that is oh, my you. sentiments with uh, Twitter exactly. I just like to have a good time, post really dumb jokes and uh, see who comes and sends messages to me. So that is the fun part about Twitter. So thank Thank you very much, Eli, and everyone check out his episode of the uh, podcast, which was the previous episode to this one. And so now that is the final question. So thank you to everyone who has submitted a question and wait, to wait, the... Wait, 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 one uh, second. I'm seeing a GoBun question here, too. Oh, oh, yes. There's another one that I missed? Uh, yep. Okay. Uh, well, how about you read it and then you can answer it? Okay. Um, all right. So, so GoBun asked... Why are you, ostensibly meaning me, so so effing bald? Um, and the answer is because I shaved my head. There you go. There you have it. Yeah, it was Straight just a simple, goods. straightforward answer, Gobin. Um, you know, that's that's just a personal choice, Gobin. I can do whatever I want with my own fucking head, Gobin. There you go. So it is a personal choice. You could grow a long, luxurious head of hair, but you choose the You know, in high school, life. I did. I had, like, shoulder-length, like, long-ass fucking metal head hair in, in high school. Right. But you're past that now. Oh, years past. It was not a good look for me. So now you – this is your look. You're sticking with it. Uh, I think so. Like, I've been shaving my head pretty consistently for five or six years now, um, and, and, and I don't, like, you know, barring – Barring some weird metaphysical, you know, change in the universe, I think, yeah, this is my look. Great. So you've picked a look and you're sticking with it. So there we go. Bonus question. Thanks for catching that, uh, Mild Sauce. Um, so speaking of your bald head, your background yeah. is in public sphere theory. Is that mm -hmm. correct? So maybe just... I get it, bald heads. <laughs> right, it's just a segue. Us professional broadcasters like to use yep. them. Let's just talk about that because you are a obviously learned scholar, as you've demonstrated yeah. throughout the show with your knowledge of different subjects. So maybe just give us a brief, super high-level overview of what the heck that is. I'm talking public sphere theory slash rhetoric slash public rhetoric. What is that? <laughs> All right, so... So public sphere theory in, in its broadest form, right, is the study from varying directions of the structural significance of the public sphere. Um, and there's kind of like varying ways to frame that significance. The kind of most prominent um, is by a German scholar named Jürgen Habermas, who has done a lot of work to demonstrate the kind of like historical importance of the public sphere 
as a realm kind of specifically between the, the realm of private life and the realm, the official realm of the state, the government, right? Um, and the, the structural importance that the public sphere has as a site where citizens engage with questions about the common good um, and the kind of and public sphere theory takes up you know, the questions of like the historical grounding of the public sphere as well as its kind of like historical permutation. And public rhetoric kind of specifically as a subfield of rhetoric is interested in the ways that rhetoric, the, the art of persuasion, the art of discourse, there's a lot of different ways to, under, to define rhetoric, but the way that the structure of publicity, of being in public, determines the kinds of rhetorical practices that take place in the public sphere that those are like the kinds of the kinds of scholarly questions that I try to engage with. Ah, yeah. So it is a scholarly pursuit. And I think that sounds like it is very appropriate for today's current political, socioeconomical public sphere climate. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, it, it absolutely is. It's a, it's a, it's a boom era for rhetoric. You yeah. might say hell of a time to be in the rhetoric game. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay, so um, what do you? What can you do with that? You influence public theory about? Um. Yeah, I mean, like when you say like you influence public theory, right? That's like, yeah. That doesn't um, make any sense, right? <laughs> well, no, it does. But like, you have to understand that like the number of people that care about that is like in the very small thousands, right? Like we we're not necessarily you know except at you know, several arm's lengths directly, you know, as a scholarly field, like directly engaged with with activism, although many public sphere scholars and theorists are also activists, you know, like kind of like because of their interest, right, like in, in, in the public sphere. But yeah, like we're interested in questions of, you know, some questions that we're interested in, like, you know, like how, like how people get motivated through kind of like public discourse, um, the ways that certain kinds of rhetorical practices shape the character or quality of, um, of of public discourse, the way kind of like structural changes occur in publics and in, in, in public space in, pub, in public spaces. There's a lot of different, you know, kind of to me very interesting questions in the field. Wow, the possibilities for study are endless. I certainly think so. Yeah, that's actually very interesting. I did not fully understand uh, sort of what you would what you're doing, but now I understand it a little bit better. So, good, good. so thank you for sharing that with us. Obviously, incredibly smart individual. And everyone, please follow our pal Mild Sauce on Twitter. That brings us to the end of the podcast now. Aww. And now I play the theme song at the end, which you can also talk over. Uh, it's jaunty. It's still jaunty. It remains jaunty, yes. And yeah. like I said, shout out to Kyle Davidson at Kyle I. Davidson on Twitter. He did it. It sounds like it would be like great background music for a video game menu screen. Like one where like you have to manipulate cubes. Well, that's it. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode with Sauce. Be sure to follow at FOTS Pod and drop a question for future guests. Thanks to Ruby Coast for providing the music of this episode, and please visit stephenwskinner.com for all the episodes, and a new episode every Monday. Follow at SkinnerSteven on Twitter, and thank you for listening. Have a good one.